Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hey, everybody. Shep Hyken here. We are back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio, and I am so excited. You're going to love our guest this week, and you're going to love the book that he's written. But before we get into that, you know how to reach me. I'm at hyken.com, H-Y-K-E-N.com. And if you've got a question or you've got a story that you want to share, and by the way, you can reach us in just about any social channel, including going to amazingbusinessradio.com. I promise you that I will answer your question. I'll potentially share your story. I may write about it, may talk about it here. You never know, but please do so. Also remember the TV show, Be Amazing or Go Home. It's available on Amazon Prime. Uh, Roku channel. It's available on the C-Suite Network. It's available even on YouTube. Just go to Amazing. Or I'm sorry, that's our, the radio show, Amazing Business Radio. Go to Be Amazing or Go Home TV. Be Amazing or Go Home TV. All right, let's get into the show this week. Are you ready? We have John R. Brandt on the line here. We're going to be talking about his new book. Let me tell you a little bit of, well, I'll, I'll let him explain his background. Let me tell you about the book. I just love the book. And you know what? If you're listening to the show today, get it today because it just came out. And the title of the book is Poopery: Why Your Customers Hate You and How to Fix It. He's the CEO and founder of the MPI Group. And we're going to learn more about that in just a moment because John, you're going to tell us, welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Hey, Shep, I am so happy to be here, and let's talk about some nincompoopery. I'm CEO of the MPI Group, where, uh, where we study a lot of nincompoopery because we do a lot of research on business metrics and performance across a wide array of industries, and we write about it. And what we find is that there are a lot of companies who could be creating value for their customers, but they are shooting themselves in the foot every day. Yep. So uh, what kind of measurement, what kind of benchmarking, what kind of data do you get for these companies? We do uh, benchmarking studies in industries ranging from heavy industry to healthcare to pest control to mining, you name the niche industry, and we've probably done a study there. And one of the things that inspired me to write this book was the fact that we kept finding the same things over and over again at companies who were doing great things and also with companies that were doing, let's just call them not so great things. Which is the nincompoopery. The nincompoopery. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I, when I saw this title, uh, you know, first of all, I, I, I can't remember was it, if it was a PR agency that pitched me on this. I'm not sure uh, on you being on the show. But when we saw the title, I didn't have to go any further. I didn't have to do research. <laughs> I go, I love this book. Title. I've got to get this guy on the show. So, and, you know, I remember, you know, you nincompoop. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew nincompoopery could be, is that, is that a, a, an adjective, a noun, a verb? It is, it, is, it is the group function of many companies, apparently. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So nincompoopery, why your customers hate you and how to fix it. Uh, quick little background on the book. And then I've got some questions, you know, like how do you deliver new and more value to your customers? Obviously, the opposite of nincompoopery. Yeah, you got to take a look at what customers are really valuing. And, you know, the problem we see at a lot of companies is when you talk to them about new value or innovation, especially when you talk to leaders or people who live in what we call customer free zones, you know, the boardroom, you know, any place where you're not dealing with customers on a day to day, people don't actually understand what value 
or innovation is. They think it's a shiny new technology. They think it's a, the latest whiz bang. They think it's an iPhone. They think it's a Model T. They think it's a spin brush, you know, the first low cost electric powered toothbrush. The problem is, is that those are great things and customers love those. But what customers are telling us over and over is that they value other things as much or more. They value things like, you know, do you deliver stuff on time? They did, they value things about, you know, are you taking a look, are you taking a look at my life, at my business and what I'm really wrestling with and figuring out what are, th what are three or four to do's or headaches you can take away with one solution? Well, by the way, I, I mean, I just wrote a whole book on that. It's all about convenience. And when it you can all about, you are right. You are right. When you can reduce friction at any level and you've got to think, you know, what is this nincompoopery? So, so uh, I just had a friend of mine, uh, Alan Berg is his name. He just had an issue with an airline. And uh, this is, I, I wish I had his email right up in front of me. I'm looking for it. But basically, he was upset. And the flight attendant said, well, then you should write an email to the company. And he writes to customer service. And the email comes back. Thank you very much. Uh, we value all of our feedback please note that it could be between 19 and 20, some crazy, like almost a month before somebody gets back to you. And it turns out they exceeded his expectation. <laughs> <laughs> they call, they got back to him in eight days. Okay. And well, some, some people would say that the, the secret of life is low expectations. Exactly. But I think that, I think, I think we should not do that with our customers. When you under promise and over deliver, <laughs> don't, don't set an expectation that's so low, it's easy to break. Hey, you know what? I'll call you back in the next 30 days. So if I call you back in 15, I guess I'm ahead. But you know what? He wanted a call back like in the first, like, you know, 10 minutes if he could get it. But the point is, you know, who's the nincompoop that said, hey, let's send an email to customers calling in to give us feedback and tell them it'll be 30 days before we get back to you. Is that crazy? It's like I was in the publishing business for years and I used to be amazed that we could, you know, people could order a jet engine, get it pretty quickly. When you wanted a <laughs> subscription to a magazine back in the day, we would say might be six to eight weeks. Six to eight weeks. All we have to do is print one more and put a label on it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why would we have to wait two months to get it? Well, here I've got, I found it. I found this. Uh, I'm going to read <laughs> what it says. Okay. Um, he, so he, this he mentions, I, he wrote in a letter because he's writing a letter to the CEO. I opted to send an email instead to the customer service. I immediately got an auto reply that said, we'd love to hear what you have to say. It's taking us a bit longer to get to your inquiry, but rest assured, are you ready? <laughs> we will review your email and reply within 18 to 21 days. Okay. <laughs> That was followed by an email that came in the next day, another auto, you know, kind of automated response. Your feedback is very important to us. Your perspective is important to shaping the future. I'm not going to tell you the name of the airline. Our customer care team will address your email and respond back to you shortly. Response time is generally within one business day. Please note some baggage and regulatory cases may take up to 30 days. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. So, uh, it, to me, I guess that's, that's nincompoopery right there. Who's the nincompoop that said, let's write an email that says 18 to 21 or 19 to 20, whatever it was. Is that nuts? It, it, is, it is completely nuts. And the thing is, it's not really the nincompoops. It's always the nincompoopery. Because what happens to, to you and I and, and to your friend there, we go and we're, we're with this employee 
who does who either sends that email has written that email has to has to repeat some idiotic policy to us at a retail counter or an airline mm -hmm. counter somewhere else and we get frustrated we go what kind of a company hires this income poop well it's not their fault it's the company it's the leaders right. it's that nobody there figured out how to fill, do a better process especially because almost every time when you see this this it's not we're not we're not uh, we're not cracking the atom here. We're not talking quantum physics. We're talking if you would talk to your customers, walk through the process, you would go, wow, that's pretty stupid. How can we keep doing that? How can you know we what? fix that? This is where undercover boss means <laughs> don't be undercover as a customer and experience it the way the average person is. So true story. And and by the way, I love Morton's the steakhouse. <laughs> I still go love it, love it, love it. I was honored to be a keynote speaker and talk about my whole moments of truth, moments of magic thing, where I talk about moments of misery, moments of magic, and all that based on uh, Jan Carlson's moments of truth concept. Anyway, uh, did the speech, and this is what, the, at the time the president, great guy says, have you been to a Morton's before? I go, yeah, there's, and there's one right, literally two blocks, three blocks from where we live now. Back then I lived a couple miles away. But uh, yeah, we love it. Well, I'm gonna set it up. You need to go experience the VIP experience. I said, well, you, you don't need to do that because if you, the president of Morton's, calls Morton's and tells them you have a VIP coming in, I don't think I'm going to get the real Morton's experience. I'm going to get the one they make for the special people. And he goes, yeah, but I want you to experience that. So I actually experienced both. I purposely went the night before as a regular person. And I actually had a great meal. Great service. The guy was engaging, friendly. Now, the difference between the VIP experience and mine is they give you like free stuff. You know, hey, here's a complimentary appetizer. And they fawn over you a little bit more. But really, I was impressed because the regular person's experience was is, without the, you know, exception of, oh, we got a VIP celebrity. Let's give them a free round of drinks. That, right. you know, by the way, funny story, and I died. Boy, this is how my mind goes. ADD. Look, there's a squirrel. Another squirrel. Okay. So, I mean, the so there's a great, I, I won't tell you his name because it would probably be uncomfortable to talk salaries, but the salaries of professional athletes are public. And he went from earning about 800000 a year, which is a great salary, to earning $6 million a year on his next contract for a number of years. And somebody asked him, what's the difference? I mean, has your life changed between 800,000, basically almost a million and 6 million? He goes, you know the difference? I go places and I get more free stuff than I've ever gotten before. <laughs> so, and that's what happens when you're that VIP. But the point is, uh, and I don't know, where would I go off on this one? Uh, I was just so impressed that even the regular experience was a good experience. and That they, that they had built in a process there that didn't depend on a big name or, or, a, or a special boss saying, do this for this person. What you, what, what you were impressed with was the consistency of the service, right? Yep. That, that, that it didn't matter who you were. If they promised you something, they delivered on it because they had built a process, built training, figured out what the value was there, all right. that stuff. And I've taken uh, my kids there for graduation dinners. I've gone there for Father's Day. And when they go, they always ask, is there a special occasion? And when I show up, there's glitter on the table. It says congratulations to, you know. So they add that into it. And then, you know what? They do something special as a result of what they know. Mm -hmm. If the regular average person goes in there and they don't know who you are. By the way, this was my experience. Somebody else may say, you're crazy. I didn't like my experience there. Uh, but I personally have found that if I go in there and they don't know who I am, I always come out saying, great service. And, and at the time... Uh, Tom Baldwin was their CEO, 
Uh, and he is now he's gone on, he's with Benny Hanna's and he's on the boards of several other brands. But I love his, his idea that he says, you never let somebody walk out the door having anything less than a great experience. He says, customer service is mistakes handled well. Because in the restaurant business, if they leave and the mistake wasn't handled well, they may never come back. But they should always have a good experience. Anyway, I digress. This is your topic, your show. The book is called Poopery: Why Your Customers Hate You and How to Fix It. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the tips and ideas that we can learn from your book. This is Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. Are you ready to be amazing? Of course you are. And that's why you tune into Amazing Business Radio. If you like what you're hearing here, you're going to love my new TV show, Be Amazing or Go Home. Each episode is devoted to sharing ideas to help you be amazing in both your business and personal lives. We also feature an app or technology every week that you're going to find fascinating, and we always have at least two guests on the show. The show is now available on Amazon Prime, Roku, C-Suite TV, and more, so the choice is yours. Be amazing or go home. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with John Brandt, the author of Poopery, which, by the way, you should go to Amazon. I just, just buy it because the title's great. But what's inside of it, uh, John? Tell us a little bit about some of the ideas inside the book and maybe give us two or three nuggets that we just got to go, oh, I gotta, I've got to share that with my team. Because it's not just for leadership, it's for everyone. Well, there's a couple things. You know, it, it, it is for everyone. And, and one of the points I want to make here is that you can't do this unless you have great talent. And you have to, can't do it unless you have great training. And when we think about training, though, we often think about break rooms or that. When you look at most companies, they train many industries eight hours per employee per year. When you look at great companies, they're training 40 hours minimum, yep. 60 hours, 100 hours. But they're not training just on the technical aspects of the job. They're training on collaboration, process improvement, et cetera. And also they're training for what are our principles? What do we stand for? Maybe training is the wrong word, maybe talking about it, because I think, you know, you mentioned earlier moments of truth, and this is one of the most powerful things when we are building a relationship with customers, and that's the thing, you really want to have relationships, this is, it should not be transactional. There is a thing called a moment of truth, and the moment of truth as defined by McKinsey and others is when something happens that can dramatically change the arc of that relationship between you and a customer. There was a study that McKinsey did in, of banking in Europe that is just dramatic, where they found customers who were bank customers who had had this moment of truth. You know, they had gotten financial advice, a, an account was hacked, somebody lost money on something, some bad things had happened. And what was really interesting is that we all think, do we have a technical process in place to fix that? And yes, that's really important. But what was more important was how the customers felt as they were treated, that they were treated in that moment of truth. And when people had a positive experience, meaning somebody reached out and said, we know this happened to you, we're sorry, we're going to be on it. They followed up with them, et cetera. When people had a positive experience, that moment of truth, 87% of those customers actually increased their share of wallet with the bank. Mm -hmm. People who had a negative experience at that moment of truth, where they, you know, they couldn't get anybody on the phone, the bank, see, the employees seemed dismissive. There didn't seem to be uh, anybody who cared about them. 72% of them decrease their share of wallet with the bank. What's amazing about this to me is that this shows that 
in business as in our personal lives, you fundamentally, a, a relationship is fundamentally forged in a moment of crisis. Because in a moment of crisis, when people want to know not what you're going to do, but how you're going to treat them as they do it, they, you, we find out who we can trust and who we can't. And we know that in our marriages, in our relationships, in our friendships, it's just as important in business. Yeah. We forget the emotional component here of, of customer service, of the fact that people don't want to be, I mean, one of the reasons that your, your airline example was so great is that that person didn't feel like treated like an individual. Yeah. Hey, it, you're, it's really important. It's so important. We're going to get back to you in 21 days. I know. Is that nuts? <laughs> So, so that, and that, so that's one of the things we found there and the companies that are doing great things are using technology and training and, and, and who they hire to figure out when something goes wrong, how do you take that oops moment and turn that into not just, we're going to fix it, deepen that relationship to where that customer can't imagine leaving you because they know somebody else won't treat them as well if anything ever goes wrong. Right. And we call that a demanding customer. Absolutely. You go somewhere and demand the same level of service that you've gotten over at your original company when that other company can't give it, uh, maybe because the other company says, we're not going to do that. They're awful demanding. Well, no, that's the, the standard that's been set. And, you know, one of the things you bring up, and I think it's an important point, is uh, the way the company handled the bank or any business, it was a people-to-people yes. uh, moment uh, yes. in that moment of truth that managed to flip it around. That's why, and we've been talking about, and I've been writing about artificial intelligence and the digital experience. We have a lot of people that come on the show and talk about how it's growing, it's better, it's better, it's better. It's better until there's a problem. And don't expect a robot, uh, a, a, a computer program, an automated chat bot to fix an issue. It takes human to human relationships to restore confidence to another level. Uh, and I think I, I agree with you on that. And I think where people, where companies are getting in trouble right now is I love technology. I love all the stuff you just mentioned, other stuff, but it should be used to augment human capabilities. Right. Not, right. And, and where a lot of companies get confused is they, they start replacing the human component with technology. They think that is what's going to work. That doesn't work. It should, you, it's like you, you should yeah. use your technology around your, like the way Iron Man uses his suit. He's still there. He's just can go faster and do better stuff. Oh, I like that. The <laughs> Iron Man uh, uh, analogy. That's, that's, that's perfect. The Iron Man metaphor <laughs> for that. But no, it's so true. And I think part of the reasons that companies do go too far with the technology is because they become enamored with it. it they think it's really cool. And, and you know what? It is cool. But you're right. There's a place where it's got to stop. And it's got to be the right transition that happens. And to your point, I think that, that uh, companies can become partners to their customers, not just vendors, or it can become much more than transactional. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think, I think companies fall in love with the technology. They think it could. I think the other thing that happens is that we, we still incentivize people in many of the wrong ways. You've got individual managers, leaders of business units who are told they got to meet this quarter's profit margin or this mm -hmm. year's profit margin. So they're looking at those measures instead of, you know, longer term, you know, um, what is the quality of the relationship with the customer? What are, what are our metrics on growth of uh, revenue and profits with same say, with uh, customers we've had before? How are we deepening that relationship? What's our net promoter score there? with yep. these folks look instead of looking at that they're just looking at that because you know you can always make the bottom line look a little bit better for a quarter or for a year 
What's really hard is to stay in business and keep building that relationship with the customer so that you have a business five years or 10 years from now. So when you're talking or doing business with a, uh, a support center, a call center, and, and the, one of the most important <laughs> metrics is average handle time. Like exactly. How fast can we get the customer off the phone? You know, that, and by the way, when I'm working with companies that are trying to go lean so that they can boost their, you know, what looks like they're more profitable, they're cutting things like how much time is spent on the phone with the customer yes. so they can take care of more customers and become more financially efficient, long-term erosion because that customer doesn't feel good, they don't come back or they don't, they have a second experience like that and they go, I've had enough, I'm going to go someplace that treats me better. And I think that's what you're talking about. Absolutely. Looking at the long, wrong metrics. Absolutely. Uh, Short-term profit, long-term loss is, yes. is what that comes out to. All right, let's take another break. We come back, another couple of tips from your book, which again, it's called Poopery: Why the Customers Hate You and How to Fix It. John Brandt is the author. Awesome dude. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Good customer service is now an expectation. Don't provide it and you'll be disrupted by a competitor who does. So what can you do to stand out? Well, that's the focus of my latest book, The Convenience Revolution, how to create a customer service experience that disrupts the competition and creates fierce loyalty. The goal is to reduce friction and be convenient for your customers. So if you're ready to take your customer service to the next level and disrupt your competitors, well, this is the book for you. To order the book, go to www.beconvenient.com. That's beconvenient.com. It's time for you to join the revolution, the convenience revolution. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio, the book, Poopery. Tell me, give us some more tips. Uh, tell me some more ideas that are in this book that are going to make me go, gosh, I got to go buy this. Oh, actually, I already have. So everybody else has to go buy it. <laughs> Um, I think one of the things is I, we talk about um, the importance of innovation. You and I mentioned this earlier about thinking through how how do we do this? How do we how do we work with customers? One of the things we see these great companies doing is when they're trying to figure out how to improve customer experience, how to improve customer value, is you can't do it unless you actually go live with your customers. And when I, when we see companies doing great things, they almost always require every single employee to go out and visit a customer and to, and this isn't taking them to the game. This isn't buying them a beer. This isn't lunch. This is going to their office, to their factory, to their home and working alongside them on tasks that relate to what you do and observing them and finding out what their pain points are because Ah. And, you know, there's a great example of this um, was P&G. You know, P&G spends, I don't know, close to $2 billion a year on uh, product development. They had a great story in um, early 2000s with their downy fabric softener in Mexico. And their sales became stagnant. They couldn't figure out why. And so they have a living it program where they actually take executives who have to go out and live with people who are using PNG products. So they went out and to find out what's the issue. Why can't we sell more softener? Because laundry is very important in that culture, et cetera. What they found was they didn't have a softener problem. They had a water problem. Because when you live in a rural area, you may have intermittent water service or you may be actually carrying the water back to do laundry. And with the formulation they had with their product at the time, it took six steps because you had to like wow. rinse two or three times. Well, 
That's they don't a lot have the of water to do that. That's a lot. Yeah. Right. So what they did was like, and you know, and the issue is they had demographic issue. A lot of the people who were in senior management there were from a different socioeconomic strata than a lot of their customers. And so they weren't familiar with this issue. Well, they came back, they reformulated it. They cut the laundry steps down from six steps to three with one rinse. All of a sudden sales went up Wow! because they had a great product, but they were not making it for the people and you can't understand that unless you go and lots of companies do this when Volkswagen re-entered the van market years ago in, in the United States they came back in and they drove around with people in their vans and what they found is we need more cup holders because Americans love cup holders because we got to get a big gulp or something or a coffee so, and, there's so just, they added cup holders they added cup holders it and makes, my point with this is that you can't you can't do this stuff unless you go be a customer with your customers all right so it, I've talked about this in the past, um, and even back, gosh, back in the late 1980s when I wrote my first book, Moments of Magic, uh, I talked about the Anheuser-Busch program where executives once a quarter had to go with the salesperson out to the field and experience what was going on out there. Now, as I've been writing about it, it's like you need to get on the front line, and you're talking to different customers, and you're hearing feedback, but this takes it to a whole nother level. This isn't just go interact with a customer on a sales call. No, this is, let me spend time with you. Let me live your product. Let me live your pain. Let me live your success. And, well, and, to, and to the point you made about Morton's earlier, and that it made no difference there, but a lot of times if a sales rep has a boss there, if, they, if somebody likes a sales rep at all, they're going to give you the, the happy unicorn story right. of how everything's going great because they don't want the sales rep to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. What you want to do is actually find out where are we screwing up? What could we do better? Because there is no bigger gift than you can get than a customer complaint. Yeah, yeah. And when, me, a customer when a yeah. customer complains to you, they are saying, I value you. I value what you do so much that I'm willing to tell you to do it better so I can keep paying you. Yep. And taking the time to do it. I think that's, yes, that's absolutely. Uh, so powerful. It is a gift. And, and by the way, just thanking them and listening to them is nice, but it's not enough. You've no. got to take action. And you know what? Let, let the customer know if you've taken action, not just fixing their problem, but if you have a problem, it's a problem that probably has happened before, what can you do to mitigate or eliminate it altogether? Right. All right. Do we have time for one more tip? I think we do. I think we do. This isn't the one thing question. This uh -oh. is like another tip from the uh -oh. book. <laughs> um, so I think the other thing I would do is – one of the things that we think is really powerful is for people to take a look at their organization, but look at it through your customer's eyes. Because so often if I ask somebody about how is your company organized, what I get handed is this organizational chart that just has boxes and lines and matrix reporting and I got EVPs and I got, I got business units. And honestly, I look at it and, and I just want to, I just want to cry. And if you showed it to your customers, they would struggle to know, who here is supposed to help me? Mm -hmm. Why do I care about this? What we encourage people to do is to take a look at their organization around how you're creating value for customers. And we think, you know, at MPI in the book, we think there are six different ways you basically create value, however you organize it. It's research and development, procurement, administration, logistics, sales and marketing, production and performance, service and support. And we see it as kind of a circle. Everything should feed you. And we encourage you to look at that, analyze that and say, how are we creating value? And then kind of just, either using hard metrics or using, there's a couple of different ways to do this. Which of these things are you great at? Which of these are you okay at? 
and which of these do you stink at? Mm -hmm. The truth is almost every company is really good at one or two of these because that's how you're making money. That's why you're there. You're usually okay at three or four of them. And there's a, usually at least one or two where you're terrible, where you're just killing customer value and you're making, you're irritating people every day. And if you can do that, honestly, you're going to help yourself because trust me, your customers know already. And, you know, and the problem is when customers see that you're terrible at stuff, if they tell you that's a gift, most of the time though, they just slip away. Right. And you it is five, happy and they just disappear. And there are five and it is five to twenty-five times more expensive to get a new customer than it is to make an unhappy customer stay. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. And I think that the key there is, is take a look at your entire process. And you know, usually people when they journey map, they journey map only the customer's experience. Also journey map your employees' experience. Find out where are the friction points there. Because if you can make their life easier, they're going to better engage with the customer or they're better engaged with their colleague internally, make it easier for them. So uh, where are the nincompoopery points of friction? Exactly. <laughs> <you will. laughs> All right. We come down to the final question. The one thing question, what's the one thing you absolutely want this audience to remember after our show today? I want everybody in this audience to know that every company falls victim to nincompoopery and every individual does, all right? You only stay a nincompoop if you don't try to get out of it. And the reason we fall is because it's human nature. I mean, we fall into a routine. We start doing the same thing over and over again because it's easier for us. Or even worse, what we start to do is when a customer complains, we figure out ways to ignore it or make fun of them. How many times have you talked to somebody who has said, this would be a great business if it weren't for the customers? <laughs> you know, because our customers are cranky and they're stupid. Well, you know what? They are cranky but they are not stupid. They are not stupid because they are trying to help you. They're giving you that gift. What I see a lot of times though, is that even when people recognize this, if they're not the CEO, if they're not the silver haired EVP, they'll say, well, how could I fix this? And that's just a cop out for most people. You yep. really can. And a lot of times people don't feel like they're confident enough or people won't listen to them. And usually in my experience in talking to people, coaching, whatever, it is not that they are unable to do it or don't have the skill set, it's that they have a lagging perception of themselves. They somehow think they're the same person who made mistakes or didn't know enough from 10 years ago. And, you know, a lot of times people don't want you to grow because it makes challenges their idea of whether they should have grown as much. What I would encourage everybody in this audience to do is take a look in the mirror and see who you are today, the experience you have today. If you've made a bunch of mistakes, you're qualified. Because that's what qualifies you to go forward is to make mistakes and, well, I mean, say, to make mistakes and learn from them. If you just keep making mistakes, maybe you're not qualified. But if you learn from them, you're actually qualified. So the one thing I would say is if it's happening around you, either fix it or if you can't fix it, go somewhere else. Because there is no future for you if you're stuck in nincompoopery and you can't get out of it. All right. And the book is called Nincompoopery, Why Your Customers Hate You and How to Fix It. John Brandt is the author. John Thanks for being on the show today. It's awesome to hear your, your sage advice and, and your thoughts. Shep, you are so much fun. Thanks a lot for having me. Our pleasure. Hey, everybody, hope you enjoyed today's interview. You know we're going to have another great one next week, so be sure to come back next week and catch us again on Amazing Business Radio. Until then, this is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.